Hey my loves, welcome to Fashion Let's Talk Podcast. Here we discuss all things fashion and about the amazing designers who create them. So today is a special day because today we will be interviewing one of my favorite designers for 8410. L Boogie will be in the building giving us a glimpse of what it's like to be a designer, um, how she started her career as a fashion designer, and breaking down the difference between a creative director and a designer who is not a cut and sew designer. So today we're going to go in and it's going to be an amazing interview. Um, I just, I love this young lady. I love her energy. I love her style. Most importantly, I love the way she designed. And I'm hoping you guys get a great interview out of this and you get to see how amazing this lady is. And stay tuned. Welcome to Fashion Let's Talk Podcast. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Sharonda from Fashion Let's Talk Podcast, and I have an amazing guest. I'm so excited about this guest being here today. Her name is Elle Boogie, and she is the creative director and fashion designer and owner of the brand 8410. Oh, my God, LaWanda. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You don't know how much I appreciate this, how much of a fan I've been of your work ever since I seen you seriously (laughs) oh my god you like are the truth on that sewing machine so I wanted to take this time out and really allow our you know stylish audience to get a glimpse of who is El Boogie and the brand that she represents 8410 if you can just tell me from the beginning, who is El Boogie? Like, break that down. Okay, cool. So I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, born and raised. Um, Trinidadian, my descent. My mom's from Trinidad. Wow. Father's from New York. Yeah. Um, raised in a single family home. Um, there was times. Well, to fast forward. So I started sewing because I didn't have people to babysit me at times so you know my mom being single a single mom she would leave me home by myself and like me I was a key last kid (laughs) so we didn't have cable at times and I would watch like PBS and all the home making networks I would watch um, there was this old lady I don't know if you remember she was like a white lady but like um a fro kind of. Anyway, she used to do things like paper mache and um, just things with like uh, flower pots. She would do a bunch of stuff. So I was like really in tune with the art since small. So I started sewing. I would make like um, what you call it, pillowcases. I would make doll clothes. I would try to make sneakers for my dolls out of oh my cardboard. God. Yeah out of cardboard and um the paper mache came in because i would take like tissue paper and like wet it and i would glue it on the my little doll sneakers i guess and like make a nike check so it would act as a fabric that's the wet tissue once it dried up it will look like a fabric 
So I started getting amazed with fabrics. Oh my God. It's funny you said that because I remember that was one of my moments of realizing I like fashion, dressing up my Barbies. And I would make little stuff out of like the paper towels, but you was creating logos. (laughs) I love it. Dress up. I would make all her clothes. It was with needle and thread. It wasn't the best, but I would try to make make little jumpers and whatnot. Right. And as I got older, you know, we start to get into your teenage years. You don't really know who you are, so I just let it go. And then, um, but what know, age was you when you really first started to get into dressing up your dogs? Ten. Ten, Ten years old. old. Yeah, so that's where the 10 and 84 tank comes in. So I was born in 84, whatever, I'm getting old. I was born in 84, <laughs> and then I started sewing at 10, so I got the 84 tank. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. a logo that has story and a background and meaning. Uh-huh. Not something we just got off of Google. <laughs> no, exactly, right? No, it's very personable. Right. Yep, so, um, yeah, I will make everything for my dolls. Um, I wouldn't, I, I find more pleasure in making it as opposed to buying it. There was this one store in Boston, actually, it was in Cambridge, which is in the outskirts. It was called Pearl and Crap. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No, but it was like my toys are rest. I wasn't uh... too much care for like, I like toys, but. I found so much fun in creating from scratch. Oh my um, God. I grew up in a nation of Islam, so it was like a wow. big thing to be entrepreneurs, right? Right. So, um, I love that. Us, yeah, they would teach us from small. The women are called MGT, the men are called FOI. So the women, we had our, our grooming and ran classes. We would tell how to cook and sew. Um, we would have bazaars. So there's one bazaar I actually sold out out of making like a little stuff for your bathroom. I had to, oh, it just goes so deep. So <laughs> I would make like little um, soap holders and like little um, containers to put puppery. You, you know, was a real life do-it-yourself queen. Like <laughs> you- well, I was always surrounded about, around art. Right. Know, people that cultivated my um my talent. Right. Always. I always had a good upbringing. Um, I grew up, grew up around black people that was instilled in me to um do for self. Right. That's the nation of Islam came in. I went to a West Indian middle school, and they were always about pushing black kids to live out their their best selves. You know what I mean? I love that. Right. So yeah, there was always people pushing me to do to um cultivate my craft you know that's really interesting that you say your upbringing being part of the nation of islam that that was part of what helped you spark your fashion business just being an entrepreneur young and you never hear that that that's Mm -hmm. something you can get out of the nation islam i love that oh yeah Oh, one of the many things they teach you to love yourself and do for self. So it's always been in me. I mean, I right. think now it's 2021 and 2020. This like this is the time of the entrepreneurs. I love it. Yes. Because I was taught this from, from a child. You know what I mean? I was always taught to own our own businesses. No matter right. if it was a tape store back in the day, um, we had our 
had a place called the Tape Connection where we had tape, tape um, cassettes. Right. How old are we? Right. You know, Don't even say it. Are you so, serious? Oh yeah, heavy. This is in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Yes. You know what? This is so empowering to hear, especially where we are right now in the yeah. fashion industry and the black culture. Just to know that the Nation of Islam already had that foundation in place. Yes. Yeah. For That's our cool. culture and empowering our young kids to be great artists and entrepreneurs and tap into the self-love and our culture like that's amazing to me honestly I wasn't even expecting that but I truly appreciate that no because especially right now you know I wanted to do this interview with you to celebrate Juneteenth and Juneteenth and just to make sure that we highlight all of the amazing black designers and black creators who are feeling different about this year and and entrepreneurship in the black fashion industry. So just what you saying that, do you feel there's a difference or do you feel it's a better situation from where you came from or is it worse like what is your vision from where you started in that culture to where we are right now well from where I started the only people I had rooting for me were the people that I knew personally like people in the nation of Islam and the people wow. and, um, yeah and, and, and people like uh, my teachers my black teachers in my school but now in 2020 it's on a larger scale you can like click a certain you can go on the internet instagram and you can see like-minded people doing the same thing you're doing we right didn't have that, you know we didn't it's way better now you know it's way better you can click you can um vibe with somebody in in germany that's doing the same thing you're doing whether they're black or not you know what i mean right but you can network you know, we didn't have that. Everything was just like within my community, which was fine. Right. And I like that you yeah. said that. It's not yeah. that you were searching or in the need of other cultures to love or appreciate your art, but right. it is beautiful to see its many sides of us when it comes to the right. designer world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Uh When was there ever a time in the fashion industry? Because I can remember it wasn't as beautiful it is today, literally today. And we still got a lot to go. But was there ever a time you being a black designer that you felt discouraged? That you felt, um, is there room for us? In that industry? Yes. I think I, I get like that sometimes. Because some people, like, how can I put this? Okay, so your own people, they might want a garment from you. Mm-hmm. And let's say the garment is roughly around $500. It may be like a trench or a puffer or something. And it's like, I want that, but it's, ooh, I can't, I can't afford that. But if you go on their Instagram page, it's like, 
Gucci. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now, whether it's real or not, I don't know. But the fact that they're willing to rep these companies that's way over five hundred dollars is beyond me. They right. They their own people, you know. And who doesn't want to be different? Everybody probably has that same Louis shirt that they posted on Instagram, but nobody's gonna have this one piece. Right. Black designer, design piece. You know what I mean? Everybody right. Wants to look the same, so everybody's fighting to look the same. Which is so backwards because you can have a black designer that will switch the whole game up by matching something with your sneakers or yes your, or, or a shirt. That was usually what I do, you know. You really do. You and, go custom and, with your clients' look, sneaker, yeah. whatever it is they want. You like matches it to the T. Yeah, yeah. Well, some people understand like what I do. Some people get it, and it's no shade to other people. Some people they're just like, you know what? I can't, I can't afford it, and that's fine, you know. Right. But at the same time, show love to your people. Like, don't get so materialistic and um, label whores where you just come want, on. You know, you just want the Louis and the Gucci's and the Pradas. You know, right? Invest in your own people. It's funny because, because you, we, we set the way for these companies. We did. That. They you like know. they look at our style. Right. Right. We set the way. How many times have we um we we had an idea or a project or anything? We put out a product and there's a group of sisters. Not going to say their name mm-hmm. right, on TV, and they'll steal it. Mm-hmm. You know. There's, there's something going on now, I think, with Fashion Nova or something. Whether them stole their look and they're being sued for it. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so yeah, glad you brought that up. Yeah, we're not going to, you know, mention it, but we know who they are. Yeah. Yes. I'm, you know, and that's why I reached out to you to have this interview because on Fashionless, we are very transparent. You understand? We have real dialogue. Um, no cookie chaser, chaser, or nothing, none of that fake stuff. And right. I wanted to ask you that as a real cut and sew designer, and you are a beast on that machine. Like, even when I look at your bubble jackets, I'm like, why is her bubbles like so perfectly <laughs> like? And then the, like to separate it, the like everything is crisp. When you look at your garments, you don't know that it's this young, youthful, black Trinidad woman. This is looking like some rags and bones type. Seriously. Mass production, like overseas. And she rocking in her home on her table with her music vibing, doing this herself. Like... El Boogie, you don't even understand how much just watching you in the process of doing oh, what wow. you do, how inspiring it is to me because I, I tried one time to step in. You hear the word try. I want to emphasize try to I bought a sewing machine $500. I put the thread in and just tapped my foot and it was over. I didn't know what I was doing. The thread got messed up. I just gave the machine away. So I learned then that it is a gift and it is a technique. And a lot of quote unquote designers are not cut and sew designers. Can you explain 
the difference because a lot of consumers don't know that and i feel if they get a grasp of what you guys are really doing and going through they would have more of an appreciation of the art yes so yes so cutting soul designers you're picking everything from the zipper the thread come on um, the batting that goes in the coat the um the pattern the pattern or you're making your own pattern um either or you're getting um the polyfill, excuse me, to go into into the uh, the garment. You're making the garment three times if it's a puffer. You're making it twice. Y'all hear if this? It's a varsity. Yeah, and um, if there's no lining, you're making it once, but you're still surging it. You're buying the cuffs. You're making the collars from scratch. You're buying the eyelids, the um, the oh drawstrings going to the hoods. And then you're sewing it. You're picking the contrast thread. Maybe you want the thread to match it. You're going. You're doing all these things. Whereas, if you're a teacher company, you're um, pressing it on a heat press. Okay, you it. said a teacher company. Let's let's be clear, you guys, because a lot of people don't know the difference, and they step into an arena like, "What the hell is going on here?" Please listen, right. guys. Go ahead. Go ahead, girl. Right. So. Companies, people that have a t-shirt line, they um they buy shirts that are mass-produced and they um print over it. It can be silkscreen, it could be um, heat press, either or. But it's the garment, the actual garment isn't theirs. They didn't make the garment. They take it to a third party, or they might have the machine themselves and right. they print over it. So the most that they're um they're putting together is the shirt you know the colors they're still doing things you know but it's not as, as much as as yeah cut and so like you said just i didn't even think about that but depending on the garment you're actually making it about two or three times like yeah, you're making it the person is three you have to make the for three times you have to make the shell and then there's a um a, a layer on the inside it's white it's called batting that's the thick part so that's the second time then you're okay. making um the lining which touches your skin and then you have to puff the batting you have to puff it with polyfill so you make it three times and then you, you puff it you stuff it i'm sorry you stuff it with polyfill did you yeah. go where did you like did you go to school for this like no i was self-taught so i was self oh my god wait hold up hold up hold up hold up <laughs> wait 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 see i don't even get when people say oh i was i can hear music i was self-taught yeah. how to play a piano or guitar how sway how You have an arm that goes into the shoulder. You have the collar that goes into your neck. You know, everything has a place and it fits the way it's supposed to. Wow. I did take classes at Mood for like uh, like a month. This is when it was free, pre-COVID. Are you serious? Mood had yeah. classes? <laughs> Listen, so I didn't know anything about Mood. I didn't know anything about Project Runway. I'm from Boston. I was traveling back and forth to New York. I will buy a, a, a one-way ticket 
I will get off at Times Square, take my classes, and leave it the same day to come back to Boston. So people were in the classes, someone from Jersey, oh my someone God. from Brooklyn, and they were like, what are you doing here? Why are you coming all the way? Because the hustle was real. The hustle was real. The classes were free. You couldn't find nothing for free. Can you imagine? That's what I'm trying to say. Mood is the top fabric company in the city. And they offered a free class? At that time, yes. So this was 2016. Now I think the classes are like $300. You see this? Right, and that was just God telling me, yes, you need to go. So when I got there, they're like, Oh, um, yeah, do you know? Like, oh, I heard like the whispers, like, Yeah, like everybody comes here. Um, Patty LaBelle one day was downstairs, no, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see her, but they were like, We just seen Patty LaBelle, I'm like, what, you know? But yeah, mood was like that place, and I didn't know about it. And I, like, I didn't know about it when I started going there. Then when I came home and I watched Project Runway and I see Mood on it. I'm like, what? I take classes there. Oh, my you know? God. Yeah, like, that's amazing. Crazy. And that also goes to show you, you have to jump on opportunities when they're there at the time. You can't right. expect that it's going to be there forever. You you know, what you miss today, you'll have the opportunity tomorrow. No. They damn sure ain't doing it no more. You see what I mean? Time is changing. Because things become saturated. Like, I remember years ago, and I this makes it embarrassing, I'm a little old. My kids would say, oh, you was born in the 1900s. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, I was. But I, it was popping. All that you're experiencing right. today, we, we set it off. But, you know what I mean? But I remember working as an intern for June Ambrose. And one of the... Oh, wow. Yes, I started um, with her. And one of the things she used to do is send us out to the fabric store just to get swatches. And that was my first interacting with like mood and all of these different fabrics. So, you know, she taught me how to go in the fabric store, just, you know, take off a swatch and organize like a fabric book just to be able to show your clientele, you know, or their managers. Exactly. So that's when I learned about mood and that was the top fabric out of all of it. You know, you got your the, the little shops. <laughs> no, that's like the mecca of like fabric stores. Seriously. Like, there's people when I used to take classes there, there were um, kids taking um, field trips. There was this one um, school that came from Connecticut. It was a whole field trip. Oh my God. It was like a Catholic school. Yep. <laughs> and they were on a field trip. And they were, but that's what I used to do. Like I would just get go to, to June Ambrose, um office, which was called Mod Squad at the time. So then we would just go out to fabrics, cut the swatches off, you know, staple them to a paper, put yeah. them in a binder. And yeah. we knew what fabric to go to. We would have the business card of the, the fabric that we got the fabric store, you know, from and everything. Yeah. And it just helped us stay organized for ourselves and the clients. Um, you learn right. to study the feel of different right. fabric and, and the patterns. And most importantly, I think you learn your signature look. Yes, you do. I, I think that you get your signature look. Now, I want to ask you, how would you describe 
your design, your signature look, and who are you designing for? So I design mostly outerwear. I started off designing uh, vintage meets contemporary. So I would. Oh, I love like, it. Yeah, that's how I started. I would design like a Kente '90s vibe. Right, and it will be like a whole uh, cross color kind of uh, kind of vibe. Or I would do a brocade fabric, which was like a um, I don't know what part. I want to say the medieval times. And right. I just get funky with it, you know what I mean? But still have an urban flair to it. Right. And then after a while, people just started, you know, asking me to design things for their sneakers. So it kind of ventured off, you know. But I'm still bringing it back. Like my 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 last puffer was a kaleidoscope, which is kind of interesting. Which was oh my god! But I get it. I get it. It was so retro. And just sick. It was like I seen Fresh Prince in Bel Air in it. I see. Are you serious? The Tetris bars. Well, I only did like two bars coming down. Um, yeah. That was in all my designs are um freestyle. Like I hardly ever draw it. I'm not really good at drawing clothes. So you don't even sketch this stuff. This is like some freestyle off the brain. Yeah, people trust me. They, they just like do you. No, seriously, L Boogie, because when you in your lab, I feel your vibe. Like just watching yeah. you, you be zoned out, and I like that you do that. You capture the mood, you capture the feel, and this is why your clientele trust you because they know it's authentic. They know that you are so in the zone, taking in consideration of what they ask for. You know what I mean? How do you do that though? Now, now I got to pick your brain and I know I was saying we was only going to do this for 30 minutes. Are you in a rush? Cause you just, you're fascinating my brain. Okay. 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 I got so much to ask you. Um, now when your clients, because your clients are not designers and I say that to say they may be stylish, but they're not creative designers. How do you capture the vision that they are trying to interpretate to you on the style they want without them being real designers like how do you capture that um so a lot of times people will you know people will hit me from instagram for the most part i go on their page and i try to see what type of clothes they wear what they're so you study them yeah, I study them. I ask them what's their favorite colors, mm. what they're into. Um, I ask them if they like flashy. Do they like loud colors? Do they like solid colors? Do they like the mix? Then we go from there. And um, I'm telling you, for the most part, they just say, do you. Those are my best customers. Oh, my God. The do no you. pressures. Right. But then I have uh, full creative customer that was like... <clears throat> He, he had a, an idea of what he wanted. He actually designed the jacket. And it was good. Because I'm like, I wasn't feeling it at first. But when it was finished, I'm like, oh, wow. Why didn't I think of And that's what I love. That's what I see in your garments. I see your clients. But I see a twist of you. Like that, and I know that's what they're buying into, 
And that's why they trust you. And I like how you said you really appreciate the clients who give you that freedom, that creative control without the pressure of someone who's really not a designer. And I have to really (laughs) emphasize on that because when you're not a designer and to try to describe visually what you want, Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like a little like handicap, I guess, to a designer. You know what I'm saying? Hearing it, like, what the hell is she talking about? But you so right. damn good, El Boogie, that you, when you finish, even though you didn't understand it, when you finish, you saw it even yourself. Wow, so you even have models like creating But that's still good. Usually the models are trying to get the free stuff, but they like no. <laughs> I'm going to go directly to the the designer and have them create something to to showcase my look and my image. Yeah, so it's a lot of, um, let me see. My demographic, I will say, probably will be 25 to 40. I like that. It sounds wide, but it's like you can switch it up because once you get past 35, that's when the solid colors start coming right. in. Right. The earth tones start coming in. You know, the I love how you know your demographic. Yeah. Yeah, and then under 35, you have the loud colors, you have the purples, the blues, you have the the rayons, the vinyls, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I... Hey, my loves. I know. This interview is good. Okay, okay, okay. Just had to let you know, looking for more information on fashion, definitely visit our website at www.fashionlessstyles.com and we will have all your fix and more so go back visit listen to the interviews 
because baby, we got some stories for you. Okay, okay, I'm gonna let you go back to this amazing interview. I know it's getting good. Okay, okay, okay. Can you explain to the audience how important it is to know your customers and the demographic? Like, not just to be trying to design for everybody else, but really know who appreciate your work. How how important is that to you? Well, knowing your demographic saves you time of selling the wrong or trying to get a, a piece off and the person ends up not wanting it. Right. I can design like a, a, a flash bubble coat and a guy and that's 42, he's not going to want that, you know? But if I post a corduroy and a plaid lumberjack looking jacket type five, they'll respond, you know? Right. And it's not like he didn't like the, the bubble, it's just not his style. Right. Know? Right. So if you wanna if you want to grasp a large demographic of people, you have to be able to know the different styles. Like you have to be able to know what jeans are in this season or what what shirts, how short are people wearing their their, their shorts? How short are they wearing their um your shirts are bell bottoms still a thing. Bell bottoms are coming back for guys. They really are. I never thought I'd see them. They're back. And they're rocking it right too. Yeah, they're rocking it. But you have to keep up. This is where social media comes into play. You have to pay attention to what's going on. Like you have to put in your hashtags fashion, modern fashion, um, fashion, hip hop, urban, or whatever, rock. You know, whatever you're into. But right. it's not just what you're into. You have to see what everybody else is into. If you want to sell. Do and you... things that I've made, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't into it, but the customer was. Right. They like it, and you have to cater to them, but yeah. while also staying in the realm yes. of your feel. That's what you for. They want your style on it. Right. That's what they want what they want. Yeah. It's crazy because as, like you said, as time goes by, um, fashion comes and goes. That's the beauty of it, you know, based on the trend of things. What do you see a trend today? Like, what do you see besides the bell bottoms? But what do you see like a good, cool trend? I feel like that retro bubble that you did that's a trend that is definitely coming back like the colors people are really enjoying the neon colors and everything what it what are some of the things that you feel are coming back that worked so well with your staff Hmm, what's coming back i don't know if they ever went away too long i'll always love the good fanny pack me too I love them. I think they've been around for a minute. They like, they chilling. They chilling. People was a little nervous in the beginning when they came back. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I love it because it's so convenient um, for the body, which also sparks the question I want to ask you because everybody is getting surgery now right oh dear and so i call it you know back in the days i used to because i'm not a real fan of fashion over i think they're another Uh one who you know 
likes to steal the the brands and the looks of, you know, up and coming black designers. But with everybody getting these new surgeries and everything, so it's a new market. What I personally call is the new body fashion. Now, how do you, as a real official cut and sew designer, how do you feel about this quote unquote new body fashion rage? Do you feel this is should be considered quality fashion or something that's going to sustainable fashion? I honestly never heard about it. What is that? What is it like? Uh, what is that? I, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's. Yes. <laughs> because if you look at it as a designer, and I always wanted to ask the designers who are like real official, who who put in that work on a design, a garment and designing it in the colors and the fabric. And you got these t-shirt line type clothes just to be able to show the body, but not quality fabric not quality clothes it's just let me show the top excuse my french top of your ass this will be doing fashion less we get real but the top of your ass or your abs or your hips but there's no real fabric attached they may have string stuff that we used to do back in the days for freaknik like you understand like you make a t-shirt Dies quick. Please. Like the, the bathing suit thing with the mesh dress over the bathing suit. Oh. I never. Oh understand. my god. So like, your ass is down, but you have a net on top. So it's like, why even put the net? Exactly. But it's like maybe I'm thinking the fabric is what's added to the fashion. No. I don't know. I'm lost. I don't know how that's not, um, fashion. I don't know. Because if you think about it, I get it. It's like. The fashion in that garment is the body. It's really not about the dress. It's not about the dress. So when you yeah. see that, that's why I say this new body fashion rave that everybody is going through, yeah. and 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 like they're really trying to put it on a level as fashion. Like how many people, how many of us look like that? Though I don't look like that. Exactly, and that's why I'm trying to figure out why are we. Why is it so much people invested in this fashion? And now it's looking like people are invested in changing their body just to wear right. this fashion. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, you don't see Gucci and Louis altering this. Uh, come on. Body. Y'all hear this? Do y'all hear this? <laughs> you know, they made their clothes a certain way. They're not trying to alter it. If you want to fit into their clothes, then just have to have that type and they're not going out their way that's it you know that means you know every now and then you'll have a a, a fashion company that would drop a line that's like oh for the for the plus size girls or for that you know what i'm saying but that's normal right as opposed to you buying a certain type of ass everybody has this ass but do you have a skirt to fit this this ass ass and this waist (laughs) you know yeah, it's it's, it's so thing. weird. I, I I really wanted to ask you about that and every designer, yeah. like, what is with I don't this? Even cater into 
typical size people. Like they're not at I mean, all. They will cater to um, what you call it? <laughs> the new body. <laughs> But you know what? That also shows how dope you are as a female black designer. I have to emphasize yeah. on that because men is just like all over your design like they trust it and you know that is rare the only way a man is going to trust another woman <laughs> to style him as if that's his girl and right. you understand but the men are like coming at you and speaking right. of men you have designed garments wardrobes for some epic celebrity men can you like share oh. some of that with us. Oh, damn. I can't. What was that like? This is forever my baby with the leather custom oh, suits and tips. What was that like? I need the inside. <laughs> experience okay so who else because you you've been busy mama um rock him you see what i mean you see yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah um who else and rock him don't trust people okay like let me tell yeah, you something but you know what do you think that just the energy of the the nation of islam like that mindset because you gotta remember yeah. that was are you serious? Yeah, you wanted to know. Same questions you wanted to know. You see? Yeah, he was like, like, how did you get it on? And um, what made you do that? And then he, started, he told me a story of how he used to play the saxophone when he was a child. Oh my God. Um, yeah, he used to play the sax. I think his mom made him play the sax. And that's how he started his love for, for hip hop. So we was vibing on that. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Um I had um what's his name? Freaky Ka's son. His Wait. Name is Freaky Ka. 
Are you serious? Lex yeah. Beam is in the bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I love I this. Yeah, designed for Yo-Yo. That's like my love. I love her so much. Oh my god! And weren't you featured on a reality show? I think she brought some of your garments to be featured even on the show. Yeah, she wore it. She wore it on uh, Love and Hip Hop. No, on the Love and Hip Hop scene showed where we was on tour. So they, um, you know, the green sh- screen shows like yes. So yeah, they showed that in the basketball lines. She actually wore it in a scene across from Tammy. Um, also, I did um, a piece for Money and Violence. Shout out to Fritz. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, that's his experiment. He wore it on season two. Um, Respect Life. That was another, um, what do you call it? YouTube series. Yes. Yeah, that was after I had a... Um, one of the actors had a piece too. You've been on tour. Yeah, well, Yo Yo brought me on tour. Yeah, that was uh, the Don't Sweat Technique tour. That was her with Eric B. and Rakim. And that's how I met um, Eric B. and Rakim. Are you serious? Yeah. What was yeah. it like touring with the celebrity with your garment? What was the turnaround time? Like, that's another thing. What is, what is your turnaround time? Honestly, I was there. I was initially there to bring my garments, but Yoni actually took me under her wing. It was more of a like, I'm gonna show you the ropes. Come with me. I'm gonna show you how it's done. Oh my God, are you serious? I think that's beautiful for, you know, for a veteran to see the gift and a young black designer and saying, come with me, let's do this. And let me show you. Me and her, just me and her, hotel, going from hotel show to show. Yeah, it was just me and her and the guys on their side, females on our side. It was good. Talk about epic. I will always remember that. Oh my God. I met met a lot of people. I met Charlie Mack. I met uh, Little Mo. I met Ostino from uh, State Property. I'm done. Uh, Yeah, I met so many. Oh, so Master Flex, Rod Digger. I bet. Oh my God, so many people. You're talking about me. I see you with that, but there now. Oh my God, you know what is so weird with that? It was just, I've always been a fan of his. You know, I'm from Harlem. So, you know, we're mm-hmm. very into fashion and that yes. custom design, black designer. So that's why I'm just like a fan of what you do. And yeah. he, it, you know, it was that whole big Gucci situation yeah. that happened. Yeah. And, you know, Dap had just got his deal with Gucci. And yeah. the whole, he's, he designs two separate departments when it comes to his custom for Gucci. And Gucci got another creative designer. But when that yeah. whole blackface thing happened, everybody came to go um dapper dan and he took a lot of slack for that moment and everybody our culture was just downing him and it was really hurtful for me as somebody who's very 
you know, big into black fashion designer. I love Dapper Dan because I know how much he loves Harlem. So when I saw our people like going against him because he did not leave Gucci and didn't take in consideration of all the pressure that he was dealing with. And when I say pressure, I mean, that was stepping to Gucci. You understand? Like, he wasn't just like on some, oh, what happened? And no, let's do No, he went to Gucci like, yo, what, what is this? What are y'all going to do? You understand? I'm going to need y'all to put up some money and apologize and, and make way for future designers. And on God, L Boogie, when I say that's exactly what he did. He did. But he took that on his back and everybody judged him. So I did the podcast because going to Macy's and I I saw how passionate and hurt he was from all this. But the way he spoke, like, I'm doing this for y'all. Like every time, and he made a point and I I learned so much from this. He said, the way y'all mad and treating me is the same thing y'all did to all of our black heroes who y'all look as heroes today today you understand like and that was that stayed with me you know for we we highlight malcolm x we highlight um the black baseball player and and these basketball players but come on come on and when they were fighting for us we were not standing with them and now they're trend, now they're popular, but when they was in the trenches, it was not cool to stand up for your black people. So when I had did the podcast, I was just expressing my anger to our coaches and the consumers who like are very flip-floppity. Yeah. I felt like they were, especially Harlem people, you know, I'm from Harlem, so I can yell at them. Um mm-hmm. I just felt that they were very flip-floppity and trying to make him the blame for an area he had no control over. Yeah. And he finally is getting the recognition he deserved from the same people who broke him down. And y'all trying to put pressure on him to leave? Now, let that man get his money. Let him get his respect. And I put the podcast out there and his son heard it. His son heard it and made him listen to it. That's how I ended up there. Oh my God. That's how I ended up there because he DM'd me and was like, Mrs. Pope, I just heard your podcast, Queen. And I just want to say I thank you and I love you. And I want to invite you to meet my family and my atelier. I made my whole family listen to that podcast. And I'm not going to lie to you, El Boogie. I was cursing. I was livid. But he heard the genuine passion. You understand? He heard that, and I went off of him. And that's why. Oh my God, like with the way he greeted me. Yes! I was like, wait, do he really know me? And he was like, that's my queen. You, that's my queen right there. His son came to me, and he was like, when I say I appreciate you, for what you did, Dap said the same thing. He said, I made my whole family listen to that because you spoke everything I felt. And it's a beautiful thing to hear somebody speak that way for you. And they haven't physically met you. Yeah, yeah. 
you know so that's why he we brought me right mm-hmm. we were strangers yeah. and i just was like so in awe so he he said you are the queen so i he gave me the wow. crown of queen of fashion and i'm honored yes. <laughs> i am so honored right i was so high but it, it put a fire it put a fire under me to highlight amazing designers like you seriously it just made me want to go even hard with this podcast to make sure i highlight and we discuss the value in our black designers and how amazing they are and it wasn't easy for them to get here even though right now it's such a trend and popular you know even you know i remember el boogie when i first got in the fashion industry it wasn't a trend and it wasn't cool to highlight all black everything. No, no way, because we hated ourselves. We, oh my gosh, so why are you we doing this? Why are you doing, you speaking yeah. everything I feel. Mm-hmm. We, we really I did. I like, you know, after, after the crack era, Oof. it was just like, that's what it was. It was just like, you know, eh, we're ugly, our aunties are prostitutes, Come our on. uncles are raping us. Come Our on. moms are on crack. Like the whole city's dilapidated. Everybody's just like, ugh. So we hated ourselves. They ta- they knew what they did a number on us. They knew how to make us hate ourselves. They and did. I'm so thankful. I mean, I can't say it's enough. Um, the mosque that I went to, um, it was in the heart of Roxbury, in the heart of the hood. So throughout all the crackheads, the crackhead needles, I had a safe haven. You know wow. I was told that I was beautiful. I was told I could get my money and own oh it. You know God. what I mean? I was, I was around entrepreneurs since I was a child. Right. So I've seen it from both ends, so it wasn't hard for me to be like, yeah, that's not it. That's right. not how life is supposed to be. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, people just, we hated ourselves. That's all that was. It was so sad. That's why it makes me happy when I see on different people profile or their page and they black owned, you know, um, it wasn't a trend. We hide everything. I remember when I first started doing like photo shoots and styling people, um, we all felt the pressure, especially fashion stylists because June Ambrose was the first black fashion stylist I met. You know what I mean? So she was an inspiration to me for that. I saw her on Oprah talking about the coolest um, jobs and she was the stylist for Buster Rhyme and Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. I, we didn't, she did everybody and we didn't have Google. They were the best of friends. They were like the perfect team because they creative geniuses with yeah. each other, oh my God, like, yeah, that was a rap right there. oh my God, and she was the first black woman, you know, that, you know, and I think Trinidad too, but from the Bronx, yes, I never knew that. yes, yes, June, oh, wow. very elegant, but she, you know, that Caribbean and, you know, I, I always loved that creative and she was a designer, you know, technically she started as a stylist, but she was a custom designer. And that's what I learned. Like, that's when I really seen what it was like for y'all to create a garment 
for your clients. You know, I was helping her with doing the Macy Gray for um, Break Me Off with Trina and Ludacris. And I remember being in the office in the meeting while she's on a conference call with Mona Scott and um, Missy Elliott. And we all on the speaker and June Ambrose was the one who suggested what if we have Missy come out of a big Missy head? It was the, the MTV Awards. It was that. I literally was in the at Junior Ambrose's office and she suggested that. And the reason why I'm saying all this is because the manager of the creative manager, I think for MTV, um, had like kind of June suggested that and then they kind of downplayed it and then the producer brought it back up yeah so we should just have like a head and have her come out as if she made it up so I had to hear yeah it happens all the time but when you are dealing with black women strong black women and I say that about Missy and Mona Scott they literally in that conversation corrected like yeah um, that's what June said. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do that. And I was seeing that in the 90s. So when I'm seeing it now, women, black women coming together, making it clear, not going against each other, not snaking each other, you know, really supporting each other. I It takes me back to that time, that moment yeah. when all that was happening. Like... This is what women, black women did. They they supported I mean, each other. You, you know, you have people like Dane Dash that, do, that does it all the time. All the time. You know what I mean? He would advocate for, for um, new artists coming in. And, right. You, know, you see the videos like, don't let them snake you out of the deal. You know, but because so he that. been there. You understand? He yeah. literally... Been there, and you know he's a hustler from Harlem, so I, I, <laughs> I get his hustle. That's what we do, and it's very hurtful when you create something and then this white guy comes in the room, or white person, white woman, and just want to, yeah. You have to be like, no, that wasn't yours. Get out of here. Matter of fact, we got our own table. We don't want you here. Boom. Nothing. Nothing. They do it to us all the time. It's totally legal. It is. It is. But speaking of that, I'm so glad you said that because we didn't. We're not going to go into names, (laughs) but you mentioned it before. How a lot of designers are being taken advantage of, and you know, I always used to say, you know, how do you copyright a design for a garment. And this is now, okay. I want to, I want us to go here because we so real. We're now into the digital era, right? And all of these, you can actually sell a digital post. I know. I heard that. Now, is there a way, do you think, I book, you know, maybe we on to something, the beginning of something, but is there a way you can digitally own the masters of an image of a garment you post? Like, how do we protect the designers from their art 
not being stolen. What is the difference between um, a Picasso being mimicked and stolen and 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 it, it's forced pain like how do we protect the designer that's an artist even if you do say that you can't this picasso is just one of a kind right right you can't stop somebody in their home for having someone draw a duplicate of a picasso put in the end in liberal like who's gonna come and arrest you for having a fake picasso in your crib right who's gonna do that you know what i mean like how can you protect that Who's going to come in your house and be like, that's not the real Mona Lisa picture. And it's like, well, my son drew it, you know, and I like it, you know. And he's really good. And he's really good and it stays. Like, get out my house if you don't like it. I stop you. <laughs> like, you just can't. That's what I'm trying to, I, like, I'm hoping where we are today. As a designer, and stay true to their um their craftsmanship. Mm. Make little specific parts of your garment that sticks out to where people would know that this is the authentic garment of eighty four ten. Like right. Claire has some kind of thing in their in their um in their jackets. I think it's like the QR code and something right. inside their jacket. Something. But I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever. So this guy was watching on YouTube. He was saying, this is how do you tell the difference between a real Montclair and a fake Montclair. Now, obviously, these people, people bootleg all the time. You don't think they can, like, copy that QR code or whatever? Yeah. Another, you know what I mean? Because even so, with licensing and trademark, you can have a, a brand, a logo, and have the licensing trademarks for that city. But we got 50 states and countries like, I, that's yeah. a lot of money to invest in. And that's how the counterfeiters, that's how they get us. Because they just- I dread the day that someone comes through. the day that I see like a replica of an 8410 piece that I didn't make right and someone else is wearing it with another name on it but what am, what am I supposed to do about it but I will be very flattered I'll tell you that okay but that's the most that you can get out of me is like oh, okay you like my design you copied it but there's nothing new under the sun like it happens all the time you know what I mean I'm right. the first one that made a perfect a bubble coat ever in life you feel me right but you do it yeah. so well. Oh, thank you. You killed yeah, it. Mean, I don't know. I really do not think about it all the time. How do we protect our um, our brand where people like, well, brands like Fashion Nova and Pretty Little Thing can't just take it for theirs and sell theirs for like 12 bucks. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. And then you'll have like people buying from them because it's $12, you know? But you know what I, like I said earlier, I feel that the only people who are really buying those are the new body people, but they're right. not considered yes. stylish. And that's what I right. want to make sure people understand. New body fashion is not considered stylish. People who yeah. invest in custom clothes or quality clothes and the fabric it lasts forever uh -huh. um that is stylish people right right those are stylish people um right. so as long as the consumers know the difference i feel you know we could separate the real from the fake the, the stylish right. from the just throwing anything i call them the summer bunnies because you only fly in the summer but when right. they get cold right yes 
Baby, yeah. that's when the bums, yeah. you know, stay in the house all the time. <laughs> but and no shade to them. None, none. Ain't no shade. At no all. shade at all. I love y'all, but yeah. um, just know that you're not considered fashionable. Yeah. You understand yeah. because yeah. you're not really investing in quality custom clothes. You're just investing right. in something that you probably cut yeah. up in your bathroom really yeah. quick. And there's a right. difference. I just want them to, yeah. you know, know that. But I don't want to keep you too long because I can be on yeah. the phone with you forever because you're amazing, yeah. honestly. But you are too. Ugh, like your, your skills is everything. I, if you could just close out giving us um, a clear vision of where you see 8410 in the next, I'm going to just give it two years because it's already yeah, popping. I see you in stores, boutiques, high boutiques, hopefully one of mine's because I'm trying to get to a point where I have the top custom designers and I work with them. Is that something you see yourself doing in the future? Like really getting into stores like exclusive, you know, design for, because I used to be a designer agent and I, I, I know how this work you start up a custom but some of these big designers like barney's i sold to intermix the um barney's ben henry bendell's macy's oh you was a seller yeah i was a designer agent i did it at coterie dng like i that's what i did i know the price point and everything do you ever feel that in the future that that's something you will want to do um like exclusive design yeah, I think about it um, a lot, but that won't mean that I will have to hire a lot of people because I can't sew all the things for myself. So I will have to find a way to mass produce. I think about it all the time, but I still want to keep it exclusive. I and think you can. Times, I'm sorry? I think you can. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I'm just like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, trust me, there's been times where I sit down and I'm like, I can't believe I got this far. I think you can do it. I I see you the same way I witnessed June Ambrose. You know, she was a stylist. She was doing custom design. And now I think she's at Adidas or Puma. Mm. She is the creative director for Puma. Mm. And this is because, come on, her custom design skills. And she's not a cut and sew designer. Look at um um Virgil for Louis Vuitton. Virgil, yeah. You understand? So I see you there, Mama. I honestly see yeah. you in that direction because people trust you. And yeah. I definitely like that's what I'm saying. Rags and bones. Like you just got that them them bubbles, them coats, them jackets. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Oh, you did it. You didn't try. You succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> No, I got new looks coming. Um, I mean, I'm still making summer and I'm still doing winter stuff because that's what people been ordering. So, right. I'm going to try to come with new looks, new new looks this um, coming season. I mean, in the fashion world, it's already winter anyway, so I ain't tripping. You, you getting ready you know for I mean? fashion week? Because it's coming back you know, now. Is it? 
Yes, and they're going to open it back up. You know, it was a little hectic after the pandemic, but it was getting hectic before the pandemic, too. Like, five years before I, I saw, honestly, after Alexander McQueen's show was live on YouTube, we went down here from there and I saw it. Can I just say that I don't know if you've noticed that they were wearing masks before the pandemic. And come on. Come on. Did you see that? I did. Like, it was a whole thing. And, like, a, I don't know what brand it was. Was it Alexander McQueen? There was this brand that had all masks. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is this about? And then the pand- um, Corona hit. I don't know what uh-huh. it's about. It was those designers, know. international designers, too. A lot of people I was observing that who was traveling a lot. They had that mindset, especially people who went to like Korea and China and all Korea of them. Yeah, because that's what they do on a regular basis. Like swine, they don't yeah, play with swine what flu. Them, what made them come out with that? Like at that time, because China been wearing masks. I mean, I don't know how it is in New York and Boston. They're like masked out. That's like since I was young. But you know what? If you think about it, fashion has always been the story or the magazine of where we are in our lives always so i always look to fashion to figure out where the hell we are and where we going (laughs) so it's so important that explains the new body look what you call it yep new body fashion that's where we are are. you can always tell we when we're in a political state when we're in a like fight the power you see all these yeah. t-shirts we're also fashion really really sets the tone Definitely. of where yeah. we are and our mind is Dude, so that's so true right I love talking about because there's so many errors i can bring up when i was like that was for that and come that on that. so let me stop <laughs> <laughs> i'm already thinking about the 70s psychedelic that's my era that's my era. That's one of my best. That disco era. It was fly and it was fun and fabulous. You can see the LSD in the garments. You see it. <laughs> <laughs> you get off of the Wait, you ain't lying. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She said I you can see the LSD. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Yes, that is so true. Yeah. You can see the coke and all at the crack. What? All that it did. Oh my God. That's why I love fashion. It tells a story. Yep, it tells a story. Does. El Boogie, I appreciate this so much. Yes. You don't even know us at Fashion Lines. Like, we got a whole big team, but <laughs> I, we appreciate you. You see us. You see us. We appreciate you so much. I thank you for this. I called you on a whim and you was like, let's go. Um, mm-hmm. They don't build them like you anymore, mama. And I, I appreciate this. Seriously. Yes, I appreciate you too. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. If you could just give our audience information where they can find you and, and just study all that you do and see your amazing fashion, please let them know. Okay, it's lbug8410 on Instagram. That's L-B-O-O-G-8410. Instagram. That's it. You can find Tahira up, DM her, but make sure you have a clear vision and a budget. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. 
I appreciate this. Thank you, my love. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Fashion Let's Talk. I am your host, Sharonda, and I appreciate you. And we'll be back with some more amazing fashion designers for June 10th, Black, our Black History Month for the fashion industry. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. <laughs>